you're not the boss of me now, and it's not. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of the words. So Life great. So great. <laughs> it's the 90s. Um, where a plucky kid breaks the fourth wall to narrate to the audience, the twins learn their powers while pranking with their rascally uncle. Vision starts to investigate the weirdness, and Wanda has to step up her game if she wants to control her man. All in this week's episode of WandaVision, welcome to the MCU pod, a companion podcast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Grant Davis. Alongside me is my co-host, Mike Moody-Garcia. Hey, what's up, Grant? How's it going, Mikey? I this think week- you you mentioned the early 90s, but I think this was more like early 2000s, like Disney Channel You think it's more, You think it's more the aughts? I think so, but we'll get into it in a bit. All right. Yeah, we can... Uh, we can break down what's going on there. But um, before that, we are joined here by, uh, you know, I, I I wrote this little write-up here where I was being snarky and mean to Jeff. I said, <laughs> uh, we are desperate for a guest. And we found this this degenerate here named Rage Select. <laughs> we dragged him in. And it looks like um, we dragged you right out of uh, the, the Vision Wanda household here. Right into... Yeah, this is... This is uh this is traditional Sokovian fortune teller outfit male version. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Getting closer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to like really lean into the screen. That's nailed it. That that worked a lot better than last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to adjust the lineup of this. Um yeah, welcome, Jeff. Jeff is from rageslick.com. Do you want to tell people what that site is? It's about video games. You should go there, rageselect.com. Go there, video games. That's what yeah. I say. That's what it's I say. Uh, let's plays and such. Everything video games. Um, tonight, we are streaming the pod live on YouTube. We're talking about WandaVision Episode 6. And yes, there will be spoilers in this discussion, as well as some speculations and theorizing. That's kind of what we do, breaking down stuff, looking at Easter eggs and whatnot. But before we dive into discussing this episode, Mike, can you let everyone know how they can support this podcast? Yeah, you can subscribe here on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. We have a audio podcast on Apple and Spotify. Everywhere you get podcasts, just go to mcupod.com to find uh, all the places you can sub to the pod. Rate and review us on Apple. If you're watching us live, toss us some comments in the chat below or some questions or whatever you want to say about the show and use the word pod capital p o d in front of your comment so we can see it and we can mention it later on this week we are discussing like i said episode six it is titled all new halloween spooktacular it's written by chuck hayward and peter cameron and directed once again by matt shackman and i have to point out that I think I've been getting a little bit of who's been writing these episodes wrong because I've been pulling that from IMDb and mm, yeah. I looked over on Wikipedia and Wikipedia is a bit more specific about who per episode. Whereas I think I was just like getting <laughs> the, the first two on top billing of writing on IMDb. So a little bit annoying apologies to the writers who are all listening to this and, you know, gritting their teeth. Um, this synopsis for this episode is disturbances on Halloween separate Wanda from vision who looks into anomalous activity in Westview. 
So let's go ahead and start off by going around the rooms and giving our not hot takes, but our hot quakes. Hot quakes. Jeff. <laughs> well, well, I just can't say that with much enthusiasm. It's hard, you know? <laughs> hot quakes. Uh, Jeff. Quake Mike is a I, character. Mike and I do a, a Star Trek pod. Rhymes with take. And we do hot freaks for that one. Um, oh, okay. Freaks. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of so, stepping over chairs. <laughs> a lot of stepping over chairs, stepping over each other. Big time. Um, so we we asked the audience here, and they came up with hot quakes. I'm not sure they're proud of it. I'm not sure we are either. But that's kind of what we're going with for now. Um, okay. Would you like? We haven't heard your thoughts on any of Wandavision. So if you want to give your thoughts overall on the season thus far, as well as this specific season, go ahead. Yeah, I I absolutely love wandavision um i was looking at the timeline for the mcu over the weekend and i realized that in 2020 i've been kind of like not enthused about the mcu and i think that it's because avengers endgame was such a climactic conclusion and i know that there were you know a few movies there was spider-man far from home after that but i you know all of 2020 it's like we were missing the mcu and then wandavision started up and it was such a breath of fresh air because I feel like some of the latter MCU movies have started to run on a kind of formulaic autopilot with, you know, here's the villain, here's the fight. It's all a little samey, not as much style differentiation as like in the early days or in phase two or early phase three. Uh, and like, I just sat there in the first two episodes and laughed. Like it was, I thought that they were just exceptionally well-written episodes of an old TV show. I would have, I know there are a lot of people who said, ah, they should have put the whole first three episodes into one episode. I could have watched a whole season worth of throwback TV. I thought the writing was great. I thought the jokes were funny. I loved the way they did the doofy special effects, like in the first and second episode. Um, I love all the theme songs and all of the, montages at the beginning so i've been really really happy with the series up until well no i've been really happy with the series period wow. including right now uh, <laughs> as i just got finished watching episode oh, six yeah, yeah yeah um i really like seeing this because it's so weird and so interesting and i think it makes for an interesting departure from just i don't know there's a lot of here's a bad guy hit the bad guy bad guy falls over everybody wins um and i like that it's not entirely clear still in six out of nine episodes exactly what's going on here like we're getting little little puzzle pieces but it's not so obvious that i feel like i could just put the pieces together in my head so that's where i am right now right on um mike what do yeah, you think? I, i'm there with you jeff i've been talking about how if this were just riffing on sitcoms for the entire nine episodes, I'd be just super happy with this show and that would be fine. But we are getting a little, something a little different now, but I really enjoyed this episode. Lots of big things happened in this episode. And just when you thought you'd gotten the image of vision, dying a horribly violent death out of your head, they took an another stab at killing him. In a very, in a very violent way this week, so thank you for those nightmares, Marvel. Um, so yeah, even though I I appreciated like the Pietro backstory 
the stuff we got with the dual storyline, continuing the Westview storyline, as well as uh, like the sword fugitive trio, like Scooby-Doo pretty hard on the outside. This right. was probably, even though I love that stuff, this was probably one of my least favorite episodes of WandaVision so far. And like I was telling Grant, something to do with the fact that I kind of detest those mid-90s, early aughts kind of Disney Channel type sitcoms this seemed to be aping. I know you mentioned Malcolm in the Middle, and I did see some of that, but it just felt more like like even Stevens, kind of like those those really obnoxious uh, like early aughts Disney Channel sitcoms. It just makes me want to shoot the television. Like there was definitely some clever stuff in this sitcom world in this episode, and I appreciated that. This definitely added like one division always does many more complex layers to that sitcom trope, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not a fan of that genre. So it wasn't like a huge, a huge win for me, but the story overall also kind of seemed to slow down a lot here. We to, so we can get a lot more like explanation of things like why Pietro is different, but even though we got like some exposition, I still don't like trust any of it. Um, so that's kind of a little frustrating. I did, really enjoy the ending. It left me at a place where I'm very much anticipating what's next and what the new status quo will be for all the characters, like Darcy getting sucked into into the town. So I'm still in. And happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, for, for my part, I think that something interesting about the overall structure of this show, you know, going decade by decade, um, with television is how that ends up fusing with the you know actual show that we're watching you you start seeing the that um, the the narrative the the WandaVision show within the show starts feeling a little bit more cohesive with what we are watching going on with like Agent Wu and Darcy out on, on the outside world because um, structurally storytelling is getting a little bit more more complex a little bit more nuanced having character in it and so i i feel like how that coincides with the outside world narrative blending with what's going on in there and seeing a little bit more of a crossover between them vision leaving the bubble to come out to the outside world um, people breaking down and people uh, like freezing in the process in Westview while people on the outside are commenting on it. Like all this stuff feels like they're, they're breaking down the barriers of the conceit between the, the, the fictional world and the, the real MCU. And in that regard, I'm liking it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff. Well, I was going to ask, do you think I, this, I didn't think about it until you were saying this, but and it sounds so stupid saying it out loud. So you guys just tell me if I'm stupid. But like, do you think that was always the intention that as it moves through the eras of sitcoms that get more and more sophisticated as you go from the 60s to the 70s, the 80s, to the 90s, that like the level of class consciousness and something like Malcolm in the Middle was above, you know, your full house family ties, which was above, you know, your kind of 70s Brady Bunch you know, which was above Leave it to Beaver, that that was always intentional to essentially ramp up the complexity of what's going on in the world. And in a way, maybe you could even say um, kind of mirrors Wanda coming to like, like learning what exactly is going on where it's very fairy tale. Oh, yeah. but the more that happens, the more 
threads come out, the more it gets pulled on, and the more the whole facade starts to break down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I don't know. the genius of the structure. Yeah, the as storytelling is maturing, as as they're breaking down from the fantasy world, Wanda's having to come to grips more and more with how she with her trauma and how she's been avoiding that. Um, I, I love that you brought up the the class issue of Malcolm in the middle and the uh, you know the the great scene in the beginning of of Wanda um, in the bathroom that looks just like Jane Katzmarek. Here, I'll I'll pop that back on the screen. Um, the the all, all this family just kind of crammed into this house and they're trying to make ends meet and things are a little bit grittier and raw. That's quite a contrast to the fifties everything prim and proper and the biggest thing is dinner being a little bit late you know <laughs> um mm-hmm. so how how they've moved beyond that to kind of mirror the complexity of the story i think is i i'm, I'm really appreciating how well constructed it is um and then you know this one breaking down that fourth wall with having the son i think it's only tommy who addresses the audience i'm not sure do, do you guys know if if billy also I, think they, does? I think they both did because i got i got the sense that every time billy maybe billy was partially aware but he mm-hmm. always seemed to redirect it toward tommy in which case i was thinking maybe there's something correlating to his speed ability that allows him to kind of break that fourth wall like maybe pietro has this awareness as well anyway that's getting ahead of myself um i i like how this is playing they've they've dropped the um the live audience, the laugh track, they are talking a little bit more directly to the audience, although it's still the story um, going on here. And yeah, I, I think that outside of all of that um, vision, figuring things out and the tension rising there and not being able to really walk back how fake this is for Wanda, um, her brother calling her out. She's having to confront everything. We're, we're gearing up to to the end and I'm really fascinated with how they keep ramping things up here because did you get uh did you get the impression it's especially in the first part when vision was in the house with Wanda that there was like an internal conflict going there where he seemed to be flip flopping between like almost being controlled and then almost confronting her and then flipping back to being controlled. And then, you know, yeah. I mean, he walked down the stairs. It was kind of awkward, right? Like, like there's this stare down between them and yeah. then it's like, Hey honey, haha, how's everything going? But I was like, yeah. you guys were in a, a knockdown fight where you're floating in the air, like, like vampires and uh, what we do in the shadows. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like her ability to control him or to suppress his awareness is really fading, especially at the end of this episode. And even one of the kids commented on it, like something's not right with mom and dad. And it, it kind of makes you wonder, I'm a little worried. Like I have a lot of questions about like, not just what vision knows and comprehends about what's going on, but you know, you can ask the same thing about Agnes, right? You can ask the same thing about any of the townspeople because sometimes we get scenes of that seem to hint that they're aware that Wanda is controlling them and they're trying to appease her. But sometimes you, but most of the time it feels like they're all just under this mind control and unaware of what's going on. So there's questions about like their level of comprehension about what's happening. And I'm not, I mean, 
I have no reason not to trust, you know, whoever is writing this show to like explain that in a, in a way that makes sense or, you know, um, thematically at least for the story. But I don't know. Do you think they will explain those type of things? Do you guys have those kind of questions? I was actually just thinking about that while you're talking and it seems, I mean, I don't know if this is, I've just had this thought, so it could be only kind of a half-baked thing, but it seems like the closer proximity that any character has to Wanda and Vision, like the more conscious they are of, you know, trying to make the fantasy work, but still being a character. And then like when you go out to Vision's co-workers, right, they're kind of running on autopilot. And then when you get out to the edge, like there's just zombie, you know, standing there not doing anything. Like these like people aren't doing signal, it all. Right? Yeah. Uh, or almost just like that the the priority inside of the hexagon is so much telling Wanda's story that anybody that gets, you know, the further you get away from Wanda, because we saw, I mean, I don't know if you're going chronologically, but we saw how Agnes is a very aware character, but then right. when she gets far enough away, she just kind of is losing it. So do you think that Agnes and Herb, maybe for that matter, both have a degree of heightened awareness of what's going on? Um, like Herb seems to be like, Hey, did you want me? Uh, mm -hmm. do you want me to do something different for you when mm -hmm. he knows that Wanda's upset? Like, he has an awareness of your little puppet game isn't going the way you planned. Do you want me to fix that? And you know, Agnes has shown that a few times too. Um, but here it does seem like Agnes was under Wanda's control when she's you know frozen at the at the edge of Ellis Lane mm -hmm. and she can't really escape there. So it's like do they become a little bit more complicit or like aware and they're just kind of playing the game because they're afraid, but they're closer players to Wanda? I think I think so. I think there's also like this fun, like metatextual element to it. Obviously, like there's always this this metatextual like subtext in this show. Like the the further away we physically get, like you were saying, Jeff, from from Wanda, um, the more the characters or the people of the town are just just don't have personalities and are just you know zombified and it kind of reminds me of how um when you have extras on a tv show or you have characters who don't have any speaking lines you don't really care about them as a viewer they don't do much and maybe as actors they're way less of the mechanizations of what's going on behind the scene so it kind of reflects that right the people who aren't like part of the central cast have little say in how the show goes and have little awareness of uh, I guess the political maneuvering within right. uh, the structure of the show and all that. It could also be something where if their consciousness is basically locked, if they, if they, if the people that are on, you know, the show understand the further that they get away from Wanda, the less agency they have until they're just basically frozen. If I was in that situation, I would want to be, Wanda's next door neighbor because then at least you're going to get a lot of speaking lines and, and not freeze outside when you get forgotten on Halloween night. Do you see like the yep. air coming out of their mouths and like I was like, there's little kids just freezing outside and they can't move. Yeah, I don't want my lawn uh, hanging up. Uh, what is it like my laundry for the, the rest of my life while I'm crying on the inside like that right. woman. Yeah. Um. So let's let's take a step back and let's talk about the the intro that happened as well as the episode style. And uh, Mike, I know that you have a little bit of disagreement on what decade era we might be kind of dealing with. I want to pop uh, this comment up first by IT Johan, who says, 
I grew up with Malcolm in the Middle, so this was a lot of fun. Um, also, the show exploring the boundaries for the effects and powers on display here intrigues me to no end. Um, I mean, definitely the intro itself, as well as I think um, the kids talking, turning and talking to the camera, was very evocative of Malcolm in the Middle, a show that that gave that that was earlier than um, you know off the Office and. Uh, modern family which were a lot more mockumentary style everyone turning and talking to the camera thing which i think we're going to get next week um which is why i would argue it's it's more trying to echo the 90s that as well as like everything else feels decade by decade like where were the the big turning point kind of shows yeah malcolm in the middle actually debuted in 2000 but really yeah yeah but I think like we've seen in the other episodes of WandaVision, they're they're just mixing they're <laughs> mixing similar shows, right? Like um I think the didn't the Brady Bunch one have some Mary Tyler Moore in it too, you know? Two thousand? Mm-hmm. How old was I? Jeez. So wait a minute. Does that mean that if there was a nineties episode that it would have just been friends? Because I really want to see an episode of Friends with WandaVision in it. <laughs> Yeah, well, Full House also took place in the '90s. It was like late '80s, early '90s. So I guess they fudged it, like as Full House, the '90s. Yeah, I, I yeah. guess you're right, huh? I I totally would have thought Malcolm in the Middle started in '90s. Almost. I don't know. That was way <laughs> off. Um, That's all right, yeah. Grant. January, proud... It premiered as... January 9th, two thousand. I was going to say, as a proud member of Generation X, I could say. Nobody remembers us or the 90s or anything that happened. Yeah. It's just 10 years lost to time. You two get out of here. <laughs> um, Life I, is unfair. I think that, you know, the from from the intro to seeing. Oh, that's the other thing I want to bring up. When we see Pietro run around, we now have a, a vision of what not vision. Uh, we now see what his his superpowers look like within this world. But I'm wondering if you guys had any thoughts of, if we were seeing the approach that Marvel took to Quicksilver running, if we were seeing the approach that Fox took to Quicksilver running, or if we're seeing some third category amalgamation that is more WandaVision's hokey 90s, 2000 era special effects, white wispy lines uh, vision or uh, Quicksilver running. What do you guys think of the effects? I guess I got I got the impression that it was very much like a like a Malcolm in the Middle Scrubs kind of weekly low effort special effect kind of thing about you know you get the you get the point it's fine you get the point everyone else freeze while he runs around kind of quickly and then we'll speed it all up mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of effect yeah yeah that's it didn't feel like the quality of special effects we get, especially like when Wanda and vision burst out of the bubble and you still see them using their powers on display, which is why I'm thinking this is just still his powers being expressed under the the veneer of the bubble nineties aughts conceit. Yeah. I don't really remember what those special effects looked or felt like in the movies like i remember in the fox movies that the slow down sequences with evan peters were fun but like in the perspective of somebody looking at that i don't remember really how that looks but i don't think it looked this uh corny 
<laughs> it, it is kind of corny, yeah. Um, in the very beginning, the very beginning of the episode, we get, uh, I guess, not like on the previously on, we get a shot of other Pietro. So they are really clearly drawing this line between um, Aaron Tyler Johnson's Pietro and the new, uh, I forget the other actor's name. Evan Peters. Evan Peters version of Pietro. But uh, those bullet holes, we uh, we get to see in a another disturbing scene where Wanda seems like she brought the corpse back again. Because... I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I had this whole other structure here, but I do want to talk about Pietro <laughs> and what's going on here because there is this idea that if we're seeing the Evan Peters version, that there's a possibility what Wanda did was bend reality and pull in the Evan Peters version of Quicksilver from a different multiverse timeline. Just like her powers are able to not only toggle reality here, but also like jump between realities. And if she's yanking in a version of, of Quicksilver from a different reality, he looks like Evan Peters. He, this is how they are able to bring the Fox version of the X-Men into the world of Marvel. This is why we're hearing rumors of seeing um, uh, the different Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire, that are going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. They're bleeding through these different realities and saying all of these we're real. What happened happened to, to paraphrase lost. Maybe, but that scene that you pulled up now with Pietro, you know, Evan Peters, Pietro as this dead body with the bullet holes that happened to Aaron Taylor, Johnson, Pietro. It doesn't, it feel like a signal that that's not what's going on. Right. That, that, that she asked someone else. And, but right. And it's just the MCU winking at us saying, Hey, we cast the same guy from the other movies. That's Maybe we'll I, do something with that later, but we don't really have a plan. <laughs> this is fun, and Evan Peters is a great actor, so here you go. I don't know. I, I mean, can... for for a show that feels like it's been very deliberate in the move that it's been making, I I, I would be surprised if it was so um, so kind of Blase. arbitrary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really like the idea, especially especially if. Spider-Man Far From Home was about laying the groundwork of the concept of a multiverse into the MCU that like if the entire next phase of the MCU is basically dragging the mutants out of the Fox universe and into the Marvel universe and dragging other Spider-Men and I that's so exciting. I I I could be more excited. I, I want the X-Men in this universe so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we got this comment from Will Morris who says, uh, I think it might be insane for, th I might be insane for thinking this, but I think WandaVision might be setting up mutants given they alluded to Monica being changed on a molecular level by passing through the bubble back and forth. Yeah. And, and it, is, are we just going to get like Herb and uh, <laughs> everyone that's in inside the bubble? Well, Those are the are, Aren't her kids essentially mutants? Like they didn't, they weren't exposed to gamma rays. They were just kind of born in a weird way. And now they have powers. That's kind of like a mutant origin story. Right. Mm -hmm. Although they're also demon spawn who manifested from thin air. She didn't. <laughs> Unconfirmed that they're demon spawn. We don't know what's going on with these kids. It's a little bit creepy. <laughs> but yeah, um, there, is, there is definitely something to that Evan Peters casting 
Um, but I don't know what it is because the show seems to be telling us it's both things. Seven Peters, you remember him from the Fox movies. And now it's like, we're literally showing you that this version of Quicksilver has a history that is in line with the Aaron Taylor Johnson version. And none of that happened to the Evan Peters version that we ever saw in the Fox movies. But, you know, there is definitely narrative ways they could meld those two together or, you know, make it be Evan Peters. By the way, what did you guys think of Evan Peters in this episode? I love him. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I thought, it, I thought he did an excellent job as kind of, um, I don't know. I love his, uh, I love his voice because it's like, he knows what's going on and he's like accepting to a fault to Wanda of what she's doing. But then he's such a destructive impulse that it's like, you know, everything he does, you want to say, stop, stop, stop. And so it's interesting that whatever, whether he's being controlled by her or whether he's just being subtly influenced, I don't know. He's also seems like a very different, I mean, maybe this goes back to the previous point, but he seems like a very different, he seems more like the character that we saw in the X-Men universe of being a little bit more flippant, flippant mm -hmm. than the character that we saw in the MCU, even though I don't remember Age of Ultron all that well. <laughs> no, he, he's definitely playing the same kind of carefree uh, character that he was playing in the, the Fox X-Men movies. Like, mm -hmm. it seems like that guy who has a little bit of a shared history, but maybe not necessarily. Yeah. Like, one testing him, he he, he gives a, you know, in a very um, Malcolm in the Middle fashion, there's a, a flashback scene. They have a couple flashback scenes here. And he has one where they're in Sokovia and they're getting fish during Halloween, <laughs> their version of Halloween. Racist. And, <laughs> super racist. Um, and Wanda doesn't have that same memory. She's like, I don't remember it happening that way. And later she's like kind of quizzing him on a couple things. Like she recognizes that he doesn't look the same, but he must to some degree have the same essence that she still recognizes him. Let me I think uh, if go ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to say, I, I was going to ask, uh, okay. Did they ever establish in the Fox universe that Quicksilver is Magneto's kid? They did. They, they did. did. Yeah. Because wasn't there a question about their parents that he just like dodges yeah. entirely? Well, he does say at one point that he thought that the bubble world that she created, that their parents would really like that. Hmm. Um, and they talked about, she, he talked about their parents, again, still seemingly in Sokovia, um, having them go out to Halloween together. So I don't know if and they they make a mention of the orphanage and he doesn't back away from at one point later being an orphan so it's a fun trick right because we're getting essentially the the really fun entertaining wise ass of the fox quicksilver but he has the history of the eric taylor johnson quicksilver and it's making us just question what's going to happen and it's making me super compelled to figure out what this is and it, it was just a smart move getting involved in the mcu i mean i think he's great and he maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves a lot as a comedic dramatic actor and this mm -hmm. is a huge so showcase for him like you think about american horror story it just got more ridiculous and unwatchable every he's in all those seasons and he always found like the insane characters he plays 
on that seem vulnerable and human, right? And he's doing that here. Like Pietro is wacky. He's like the wise ass Uncle Jesse or cousin Andy from Weeds, right? But he's also really warm and self-aware and complex. And, and I hope he sticks around. He's a good compliment to yeah. Wanda, especially as as we're seeing in this episode, she's she's gotten much more loose about how she's expressing her powers around everyone. She's dropping a little bit of that that veneer and she knows she's controlling everyone. They kind of know she's controlling them and Pietro like in in talking to her is kind of earnest about like hey, you know what? I see what you're doing here and I think it's kind of cool. Like how are you doing this? Which when he said that though, were you guys at all suspicious that this isn't Pietro at all? And this is someone else fishing for information. There's so many questions. Yeah. Because, you know, we got, we got that lingering question about our, our X-Files trio. Um, we haven't talked much about the, the B plot with them, but uh, we, we saw that when they were investigating everything that Darcy pulls up, she, she in, in very nineties uh, fashion, she hacks the whole system <laughs> and she quickly pulls up this uh, information that she's just got to pass along. And I'm wondering like, what was that secret information? Oh, this is the blood test. I pulled up the wrong image. Um, is this her hacking? There we go. Um, her, the Hayward thing. I was like, did he somehow get an agent in there that could play Pietro? And yeah. is there fishing information? I mean, we're all suspicious about this version of Quicksilver. Is he like last week we talked a lot about, Perhaps there's another entity and not Wanda controlling all this. And she made a deal with that entity. Is it Mephisto? What is it? Right. And then Evan Peter shows up. It's like, oh, is he the other entity masked as, as uh, Pietro? Maybe. Now it's like, oh, is he a sword agent? I don't know. Well, he is definitely running around at super speed. So yeah. if it is someone else, it's another person with superpowers that's able to infiltrate. So maybe it's, maybe this is Dr. Strange. Maybe they got Dr. Strange. Hey, you need to go in there. You can just kind of slide on in, look like someone else, try and try yeah. and impersonate. But why wouldn't he look like uh, the other version of course? Maybe, maybe the chat can help us chat list all the speedsters in the Marvel universe in the <laughs> chat and we'll rate, we'll rate your answers. Well, let's talk about the Halloween costumes because they did a Halloween episode. It's, fun and it's it's corny and so was this episode supposed to air around halloween because i know they because of the pandemic they aired stuff out of order right man it felt like it right yeah um it, this felt like it would it would have perfectly aired during halloween um but also felt kind of like a like a modern family kind of episode in that like how much they they really give to uh the costumes that they're doing here and then having, what was hers? A Sokovian fortune teller, mm -hmm. a luchador, I guess <laughs> they're trying to claim he's supposed to be. That or a traffic light or a half shucked corn or a booger. Okay, luchadors have masks that cover their faces, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. They um, don't paint their face red. Maybe some but, of them do. You know, when we saw the kids, um, we, we have uh, Tommy, who I guess is playing speed is his name when he gets older in the comics 
whereas uh, Billy is Wiccan in the comics. I, I thought he was kind of looking a little bit like Doctor Strange there as well, but I guess he's Wiccan when he yeah, gets, that's Wiccan. <laughs> and here's here's a picture of them when they they're older in the comics. Speed and Wiccan, and then um, Agnes maybe a little bit too much on the nose. Looks like a witch. There's a lot of theories that she's a witch in real mm-hmm. life. She's pulling the strings as well. So to have her look like a witch and actually straight up go crazy and start cackling like a witch before Vision touches her head and puts her under again. Um, I thought it was a clever nod. I think they're just kind of fucking with us, the audience at this point. Man, I'm going I'm going like full on Westworld here, but that particular scene reminded me of like why doesn't Vision know what an Avenger is? Like yeah. what's right. going on there? Um is it maybe just the fact that since he doesn't have the the what is it, the soul gem or whatever in his head anymore, that Wanda's just like completely rebuilt his personality, but just out of the stuff that she remembers or she's left that out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, that was an interesting, interesting note. I, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of like, okay, she, he doesn't have the thing that animated him anymore. She, we saw her in a previous episode, steal his body and bring him into this, you know, this fictional town she created. And so she's giving him a personality and, and creating his memories. Right. So, Maybe that's why she's suppressed. If he does have any memories of the Avengers, she's somehow suppressing them. Yeah. I mean, if she's trying to control him and not let him remember the outside world, I get why he wouldn't also remember the Avengers or have any kind of knowledge of there being an outside world. Mm -hmm. But still intriguing on what he does know about what's going on. Like, does he just think life is different eras of a sitcom? Because <laughs> he seems to roll with it up until like an episode ago. You know? It does seem like there's a little bit of this childishness to Vision that he himself is a baby just kind of experiencing experiencing everything and only just barely starting to question what was going on. Mm-hmm. Why are they hearing the laugh track? Why are people laughing off screen? What is this? Where'd they go? Why is my kid turning and talking to the camera? I want to go ahead. I was going to say, also, is it weird that when he was, why was, this is so inconsequential, but when he was trying to like leave the force field, why didn't he just phase through it? That's like one of the three things that vision is able to do. And we saw him phase through the couch earlier. So, right. Yeah. It seems like, his powers are all supposed to be based off of her powers. Right. And yet when he has to kind of push through this, it it would seem like everything is a little bit copacetic between them that like he needs to get through that wall. That shouldn't be a problem, but it had some sort of magnetic grip. That's just started ripping his skin off to pull him back into the bubble to the point where it feels like the bubble is, pretty much solely constructed for him. I wonder if other, how other people, I don't think other people, human people would step out of there and be ripped back in. Right. Well, it definitely had an effect on Monica Rambo, right? Even if it didn't show her x-ray now, just like what full of white light (laughs) inside. She's still down now. (laughs) Yeah. 
I want to bring up real quick. Uh, IT Johan had a comment uh, that he loved the design and callback to the original comics. And of course, those are great. But it was just funny how like they had a flimsy explanation, but an explanation for what Wanda's wearing and an explanation for what Vision's wearing. But Quicksilver is just 90s comics Quicksilver. <laughs> hey, I got a lightning bolt costume, whatever. Yeah. And I, I like that they just rolled speed in with it and just had speed wear the same outfit. It mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was uh, pretty amusing. Um, so we touched on this a little bit, but it seemed like the stuff that's going on outside of the bubble was pretty much on the back burner this week. There was a little bit of a, you know, the, the trio has parted ways with Haywood. He's taking control. And we had a good discussion last week, Mike, about how it's easy for us, the audience, to just take Haywood as the villain, as the easy villain here. But in looking at what Wanda's doing, us, the audience, we're, we're a little bit too eager to defend her and think that she's our, our same hero from Avengers, but she's a villain. She's controlling people and they are freezing to death on the edges of this city and crying and being left outside. And I don't know, is she even feeding these people? Like it's been yeah. about a week. Are they starving if, if she doesn't think to feed them? Like, yeah, we were wondering, like, is she doing this or did is someone else a bigger entity doing this? And when she was talking to Pietro, she takes credit, right? But mm-hmm. also says, I don't know how I'm doing it. So there's there's a gray area there. Maybe it's not her. But if you're talking about Hayward, is that his name? Haywood. Haywood, the, the sword director. I really like what they did with him in this episode. Like, usually the last few episodes, he's just kind of a nuisance and he's kind of that, um, what is the name of that? Thunderbolt Ross, you know, just a thorn thorn in the hero side. Right. But I really appreciated the scene with him in this episode where he's trying to justify his like overt brute force approach in the last episode to trying to fix the situation. Um, and he tries to justify it by bringing up the trauma of the past five years. Right. Since he was one of the folks, left behind after the Thanos snap. So he tries to justify it. I didn't agree with him. I'm on Monica's side, obviously. He's a cowardly prick, but it's great. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's a red hat bitch. So, but it's great to see that there are these lingering emotional effects that people have from that Thanos snap, right? And that maybe the snap has radicalized people and kind of dampened their empathy and just put them in this harsh like survival mode like oh shit another superhero events happening we got to put the brakes on this no matter what that seems to be where he's coming from i think I it's never... super cool how this show is just building and growing the larger mcu by exploring you know the the emotional impact of things that happen in the movies right right and also it's making that stuff really relevant to this show it's funny. I um, it might just be because I I just marathoned Infinity War and Endgame last weekend back to back. But like, it's funny how uh, I don't really see Haywood as like a bad guy. I mean, I rec- recognize that he's like in opposition to the people that we've got lined up as a main character. 
But when you think about the ramifications, again, of what he was talking about, of the fact that the world knows that like this extra dimensional or this alien entity just came down and snapped its fingers and like screwed up everybody's life for five years. And so the idea of just like, we should try to understand what this person is doing. That's got like a town of 800 people completely under her whims. And it's like, well, wait, well, how do we know she's not going to snap her fingers? And then, you know, the entirety right. of New Jersey is going to be like walking automatons. I would think that after something like the events of Infinity War and Endgame, that an organization like Sword would get a little bit more tetchy and proactive about trying to keep people from doing things that affect huge areas of civilians. Absolutely. I mean, I like, I appreciate that we have both sides um, kind of in conflict in this story and showing like the people who are like holy shit we have to get a grip on this because like you said this wiped out half the population and she's now controlling people and for how long how are people surviving in this situation we don't know the full extent of the damage she's wreaking on this town but from what we can see of people not moving in their house for days on end it's are they eating? Are they being cared for? Is she going to allow just a, a genocide of a bunch of people in this town? It or even a- just the, Oh, I'm sorry. Even just the, 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 the line of dialogue that visions coworker has where it sounds like Wanda's control has them all in constant pain. And it's just like, well, stop it. I don't, I mean, you know, I, you might have some stuff you need to work through emotionally, but like if you're keeping a whole town of people like frozen in pain and and mentally manipulated, that's not like oopsie uh, behavior. That's like no, cut it out, stop it. And it was such a powerful moment when Haywood mentioned the snap, you know, and and all of a sudden like you're kind of already understanding his viewpoint because this is some dangerous shit she's doing to these people, and if it grows more the end of this episode she could possibly suck more people into her her realm and do whatever she wants with them that's extremely disturbing and dangerous but but when he mentioned the snap and you realize that he has trauma from that and he's even more activated to do something extreme to shut this down um his viewpoint resonated with me even more you know, mm-hmm. and it felt like really powerful. And there was conflict with me as a viewer because I was like, I like Monica Rambeau and trying to be this empathetic person that I, I try to be every day. I want to side with her, but he also, I understand his viewpoint for sure. How, just real quick, how mm-hmm. long would you, do we have a concept of how long this has been going on? Because I feel like every time we go outside of WandaVision land, it's like the same night. Like time seems to be going in a relatively straight line, like maybe a few hours, but not like days. I get the impression that there was like the day they showed up and then maybe a couple days later, they set up the sword base and then that everything from that point forward has kind of been going on over the course of you think one or two nights might be happening in the same day? Like last week's episode and this episode might be the same day. Yeah, I almost think that it's real time because you know they they got the the missile that they tried to assassinate Wanda with and just like put it down. It still had the like the red glowing stuff on it. Mm-hmm. It right. seems to me like it's all just kind of going 
in the same night that it's literally like 30 minutes, 40 minutes an episode, almost in real time. I don't know. It's a question. They said that Wanda, they stole Wanda or Wanda stole Vision's body nine days ago from uh, Mm -hmm. Ethan's. So, um, yeah, I guess it's been about a a week (laughs) of her doing this experiment, this little bubble world experiment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of experiments, we get this another weird little interjection going on into this TV show in this commercial. We get another commercial break and it's for a little, uh, a yogurt for kids called yo magic. This commercial <laughs> went dark. <laughs> um, Duh, the most disturbing part of this episode for sure. This, this oh, no, no. who's just, his hand is so weak, struggling to open this yogurt. Um, it was brutal. Good. Do you have a picture of him when he's got his face on? Uh, I don't. Okay, because I was gonna say this with the stop animation, the claymation. It gives me a good excuse to bring up. It reminded me of the most horrifying thing that children should never see, which was the claymated uh, Adventures of Mark Twain. Yeah, there was like a ten-minute segment with Satan that it scarred me for life. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, mm. it's brutal. Um, I, I was thinking the same thing. And this this poor kid. <laughs> um, it's this idea. What was the tagline? Do you guys remember what the tagline was? Uh, is it in the picture? Let me see. It might have been in the picture. No, it doesn't say it there. Um, I, I want to say it was something like... Uh, Yo, magic is, is for survivors or something like that. Yes, yes, that's it. Was like, yeah, yo, magic is for survivors. Yeah, um, like that. and yeah, it's it's obviously talking about her magic as a survival coping mechanism for her her emotional grief, and at the same time, it's something that is is starving and, and rotting away who she is because she's kind of just retreating to and relying on this magic. And I wonder if there's some something else additional on top of that about how the magic, how just using magic, it has to come from somewhere else. And however she's performing this magic, if it has, if the, the laws of, of thermodynamics, I mean, she's, she's, taking this energy from somewhere else and she might be draining and killing people elsewhere, maybe in the multiverse or however she's performing this magic. I don't know. What'd you guys make? Dark. Just very, very, it's like, there's not very much connective tissue to anything else outside of just like, well, that was horrifically dark. Yikes. So, yeah, I appreciated I the uh, uh, production budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect it to take such a turn because none of the other commercials, they've been like, like kind of like winkingly dark, right? The other commercials, but this one just took on a whole new, like dark, scary resonance. And oh, you got a, you got a comment here. You want to read yeah, that? Yeah, Koski, or uh, Koksi. Kokski production says I'm calling it the shark represents whoever manipulated Wanda into doing this whole thing in the first place. Mm. And yeah, that, that theory, like when Quicksilver asks her, or Pietro 
asked her like, how are you doing this? And she's like, I don't know. I was very sad and all alone. And that's all I remember. And then all of a sudden this thing just started happening. It's very likely that she was in such a, a weak emotional state that she was able to be easily manipulated. Think of someone like the shadow King or whoever else could just pop in there and, and take over and manipulate. I mean, I know we did that in Legion, but it could be someone like that, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. uh, that giving her something that in a way she wants, but she thinks she's doing this herself. Yeah. K- Koski also had a good comment. Uh, this episode, this episode's commercial, I think has the most to do with the overall plot out of all the commercials so far. And yeah, I mean, the metaphor seems pretty clear, right? Like without the, without the magic or the hex that she's, that she's controlling, she wouldn't survive her emotional trauma. Yeah. As well says, uh, as some, as in someone might be feeding off of Wanda's magic. This might be a little bit of a, a broad, uh, reach, but do you guys think that there's going to be, an evil mastermind that we all have to shoot laser bolts at at the end? Or do you think that this is just going to be like, no, there was no Thanos. It's just a person that was sad that had this power that they didn't know how to use. And they accidentally screwed a bunch of shit up with it. The the latter would be a lot more interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I want. And, and it, 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 it just, at this point, we're at episode six, right? There's three more episodes to go. Revealing a big bad at this point just wouldn't feel like dramatically interesting, right? But at the same time, I feel like if it is Wanda at a certain point, she needs to acknowledge a degree of an awareness of her actions, right? It can't be, I don't know how this happened. And then that's just kind of how it ends, right? For us, the audience. It, in real life, shit could go that way. And you don't know how things suddenly turned and they got awful. But well, for us, the audience, in a storytelling device, I feel like she has to have like some sort of turn and acknowledge that. Or like you guys had mentioned last week, Mike, um, this idea of the split personality and there's two Wanda's operating within one, one who's driving this and the other one who's just emotionally feeding off of it. Cause she so desperately needs what this world is giving. Cause she's retreating from her grief. The language she used in that scene you just mentioned about, Oh, I was feeling very sad and lonely. And all of a sudden this started happening that, that is total code for I have a separate personality that I'm not aware of. Tyler Durden stepped mm-hmm. in and just slowly helped me out with this. Tyler Durden, Mr. Robot. Oh, um, yeah. Spoilers. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friend. <laughs> for those. <properties. laughs> um, hmm. And then let, um, I guess we talked a little bit about Vision kind of going on this investigation. He's he's now lying to to Wanda, saying that he's part of neighborhood watch he's kind of challenging her a little bit there's that line where he's like wanda be good (laughs) before he scoots on out the door um it it seems that her grip on him is weakening to the point where i don't know i thought when he exited the bubble he would just become the corpse and 
the fact that he wasn't makes me wonder if there is a future for Vision as a character outside of this WandaVision bubble. There was an interesting theory in the comments. I'm going to find it here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Will Morris said, we're talking about the costume designs earlier. He says, speaking of designs, anybody else notice that Vision's color scheme makes him look like a normal size Sentinel? You guys remember the Sentinels from X-Men? Uh, yeah. Ew. They were the robots purple who hunted, hunted humans, uh, hunted uh, mutants and killed them. Wouldn't it be... A, a wild turn of vision ends up being like a sentinel. I, I think the dead version of him where the color kind of drains out and he looks that purple and silver that could be lending itself more than I guess the one that I have on screen here. This is the, the green, silver, red and yellow one that's going on. But yeah, maybe the, the, the corpse version mm -hmm. could lend itself to sentinel design. I don't know. With that's crazy. With with Wanda now using magic and magic now introduced into the MCU, is it possible that this is Dormammu <laughs> or or something from Doctor Strange trying to like make an incursion through like magical means? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah, I mean it it is supposed to be that Wanda or Scarlet Witch, if she eventually ever goes by that name, is supposed to be in the next um, Doctor Strange movie. Supposed mm. to be another character. And there was rumors that that Doctor Strange might first make his own appearance in WandaVision before that happens. Um, I don't mm. know. But like maybe maybe Doctor Strange taught Dormammu how to bargain and he made a bargain with Scarlet Witch to make her happy. <laughs> Dormammu, I've come to <laughs> I'm all about bargaining now, guys. Great deals. I'm getting some great deals here. <laughs> Things are great for Dormammu. Um, and then okay, the the end sequence when we see um oh. that yeah, go ahead. Oh, one quick thing. Does anybody have any idea who Monica Rambo's friend is? I only watched Captain Marvel one time. Right. Do we think that Carol Danvers is going to show up? No, she said, wait, what was the kind of uh, specialist it was supposed to be? Aerospace didn't, didn't aeronautical use, engineer? Didn't she use a male pronoun? She that, said my aeronautical oh, engineer friend, but I don't remember if it was a male pronoun. I wanted to say I want to say that she did because I I immediately cap uh when she mentioned oh my you, friend is going to help get me in you glitched there for a second what's up oh okay yeah I I think she did mention a male pronoun because um immediately when she said oh my friend's going to help get me into inside the bubble I immediately ruled out Captain Marvel but mm -hmm. I could be wrong um I I think last week we were speculating on like who's an aer aerospace engineer or whatever. Um, Randy was on our show last week, Jeff, and was saying it could potentially be Mr. Fantastic showing up, Reed Richards <laughs> popping it up. Oh, there you go. Um, and, and I was like, well, if we're or, on. Or <laughs> Dormammu. <laughs> Dormammu. I got a great, great bargain on this. 
uh, playing. He just <laughs> he just runs that new uh, that new used car lot that got put in there. It's just right. Dormammu's uh, pre-owned auto. He'll get you into a Saturn, like a '97 Saturn, like no problem. <laughs> um, yeah. You want the gap insurance? I, I, was, I was also saying if, if we're bringing in people from the X-Men universe, could it be Hank McCoy? We know that he he built the the Blackbird. I would I hope so. It could be there. Hank McCoy from this universe is just an aerospace engineer and is good buddies with Monica Rambeau. Hasn't been turned into an X-Men yet, but once he passes into that, what if they send in an elite team <laughs> into the bubble, they get expelled, and they all become the children of the Atom. It's it's the new X-Men. Sure. And, and then they start just having babies, and there's just more X-Men everywhere. I'm with it. It could be that there's a big blast. Okay, so I'm sorry. (laughs) The end sequence. Um, When we have Vision push through the bubble, we get a a series of things that happen in in fairly quick succession. First, we get... um, Oh, I'm going the wrong way. We get his kid. We get Wiccan suddenly realizing his powers. He's got this telekinesis. He's able to tell his mom. And then Wanda goes ballistic there's there's that great line um where pietro's like well it's not like your dead husband can die twice she shoots him <laughs> across the room <laughs> funny but also just underscores the brutality of, of of what she's going through here um but when she freezes everyone in place and then just suddenly is able to shift and expand the bubble she does have full control of this this construct that's going on here for however much we're talking about like other people pulling the strings and manipulating her that may they may be manipulating her but she takes power here and she pushes and expands this swallowing up once again or swallowing up darcy into this it'll be funny to see if she becomes a superhero or what i don't know um but uh, we get clowns and a circus from this whole thing. It, I don't know. It, it was just kind of the the idea that she's pushing the barriers even more when we already saw a bunch of people frozen on the outskirts of this thing just seems to imply she's stretching her powers too thin and everything's going to collapse pretty soon. It was a pretty powerful moment because you think that she, well, I thought she was going to teleport to the edge and pull him back in, but instead she just increases the border or the barrier or her, the range. Right. And then sucks so many. I mean, he sucked all of the bit in, right. Except for the three that got away and Rambo and park. Yeah. Yeah. And now the whole team is gone except for those three. I like the fact that she made them all into a big circus. I like the fact that all the sword agents became a giant circus. Uh, uh, I thought that was really funny. Just dissing them at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) These fucking clowns. There were a couple of Easter eggs I just wanted to point out. Um, There's a bunch in here, but in particular, uh, I thought that in this scene during the Halloween, they are walking by this movie theater. And in the background, you can see that the movie's in this image for ants um, is the Incredibles and the parent trap. So uh, mm-hmm. a family of superheroes, as well as a movie where twins are tricking their parents. 
And I don't know if this is meaning Billy and Tommy are pulling a trick to trap um, Wanda. And this, once again, the demon spawns, the, the kids that seem to have manifest from nowhere and are able to age and de-age. Unlike every other person within this bubble, there's something weird going on with them. Um, also, or Wanda it's a, and Pietro. Right. But if she dug up a corpse that happened to be in the graveyard and mm. slapped a Pietro outfit on him, uh, maybe that's what's going on there. I don't know. This marquee with the movies is another signal that they're merging, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Because The Incredibles came out in like 04 and Parent Trap was late 90s. Yeah, what's going on with this this theater? I don't know, man. How is this their double billing? <laughs> um, and then, did I have a, oh, um, they yeah, had Don't Go Past Ellis Avenue. Um, which I thought maybe it was a, a nod to Warren Ellis. That would be my guess. The uh, comic book writer. He write any of these Vision and Wanda books? Do we know? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I used to read Warren Ellis stuff, and I don't think so. I think yeah. he went from, I think the closest he got was Excalibur. Um, unless it was more modern than that. I know he did Moon Knight recently, but... I, don't know. I know he did next wave with Monica Rambeau that my Oh yeah. But that's a very different book. <laughs> yeah. I love that book. Yeah. If we get the agents, of, agents of hate into this universe. I am a hundred percent on board. It's not out of the question <laughs> considering what we're watching every week. So all that said, um, where do you guys think they go with these last three episodes here? Introduce agents of hate, obviously. Okay. <laughs> That's the solution. There you go. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. I'm having, I'm wondering, actually, you TV dudes can probably tell me better than I, because I, you know, I don't know anything about anything, but what would be a quintessential, if Malcolm and the, if this is truly early, late 90s, early 2000s, what would you say was like the next popular family sitcom that would be a, a very broad cultural touchstone post Malcolm in the middle modern family, right? Modern family. Modern so. family would be the that was like Oh nine, right? Modern mm -hmm. family. Oh nine, 2010. Me. Yeah. <laughs> off with Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> I remember reviewing the pilot um, for modern family for TV squad back in the day. And I gave it a really negative review. And then it became like the, biggest most lauded like family sitcom of the era i was like oh i have no idea what this is one wrong yeah I, I, uh, it seems like there's one particular screenshot that i keep seeing where wanda is wearing like this blue flannel and she's like talking directly to the camera and mm -hmm. it looks just like the mom from modern family almost like they just replaced her head <laughs> to the point where i'm like i think they're gonna mimic modern family but what would they do for the the team? I was really, I was really hoping that they were going to go Breaking Bad, but you know, I don't. I don't know. It seems to be getting further and further away. <laughs> I I think the the mockumentary style, if they were to borrow something off of The Office as well, it's not as much the family dynamic that they seem to be kind of gearing toward. But I, I was like, I don't know what the the next one is. 
it'd be great if there was like some fresh off the boat thing that uh that randall park could make a little cameo <laughs> once he gets sucked into the world too um but yeah <laughs> i i don't know how much more like it, if we have one more episode of this decade thing and then there's a two-part finale with episodes eight and nine maybe that's where they go like the bubble grows out of control i could see it fritzing and going just jumping between genres like that move that john ritter movie stay tuned where it's just channel surfing mm-hmm. um within her own world that'd be very ambitious but i could see a show like this doing that i would love to just see them dip into animation oh man oh yeah That'd be good. Do you do you think that the? I mean, I this is so asking for just like wild swings for the fences. But do we think that this ends with the merging of the X Men universe into the MCU? So is that I, where we're going? I'd love to say they'll do an Agents <laughs> of Shield episode for the tens. <laughs> that is a hot quake. That's the, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> We, they are definitely laying the groundwork, at least um, in our minds, to expect that that's going to happen with the introduction of Evan Peters and the idea of an MCU multiverse, right? Laying the groundwork for the X-Men to come in. Yeah, they'd already hinted. Kevin Feige um, already hinted like, hey, you know, we're going to bring the X-Men in in a bit. But maybe in true Marvel fashion, they wanted to play their cards close to the chest and not say like, it's actually coming a little bit sooner than you think. If Mm -hmm. we have this bubble that Wanda's created and she does have some sort of complete breakdown outburst where this shoots across the entire planet, Mm -hmm. then it could be that maybe it's just enough radiation that people themselves don't manifest powers, but that next generation being born are all going to start showing. uh, Some of them are going to start mutating with x-men powers and then what what they've already given birth to in the end of wadden division is that if the mcu is still going in 15 years <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get those powers um the x-men i, I want to say our our chatters are hitting it out of the park uh <laughs> mexicano says rob Liffield avenue is the bad part of town <laughs> Was that the cross street for Ellis? Was it like Ellis and Liefeld? No, it was. Oh. I don't remember what it was. It was some other kind of generic sounding street. But if they had a Liefeld street, that'd be great. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, I think. Did you guys have any other closing thoughts? I love this show. I love it so much. I'm going to watch it every week. I'm going to watch it and I love it. And you should watch it too because it's awesome. I'm excited for rewatch. If, if they mm. stick the landing, um, I'm yep. for a rewatch because I think how they've structured this thus far just shows so much careful planning and consideration for details mm. that they were threading through all of the episodes. And I think it'll, it'll yeah. definitely merit a rewatch. I want to say that the show clicks for me a lot when like the huge emotional weight of Wanda's grief over her dead husband and and brother and everything is, is fueling a scene or an episode, especially when that like thematically dovetails and connects with Monica Rambeau's grief over her, the loss of her mother. Mm. That stuff reminds me that despite all the crazy wacky 
deepness we're seeing in this series that these characters are still grounded in relatable, like emotional areas. So I want to see more, more of that. Also um, you talked about how all this is happening because of, of Wanda's emotional state and her grief. And that is creating this bubble that is encapsulating these people, right. And potentially changing the molecular structure of people like we saw with uh, with Rambo, and that could potentially lead to lead to her doing that to the whole world and mutants popping up, right? And it kind of reminds me of your favorite thing from Star Trek Discovery, the burn, where the guy throwing an emotional tantrum had these huge ramifications for the entire right. entire universe. However, here if they did that, like the emotional weight of it would land for how they're telling the story, unlike, you know, uh, it didn't in Star Trek. So I think they're doing a great job of just setting that up and making you really uh, understand her pain and trauma. And even if she does end up being a villain, she is, I see her as a, a not relatable, but I, I understand it, you know. Redeemable? Redeemable, yeah. Yeah. It. It'll be the first time I think in the MCU that they've taken a a hero and turned them into a proper villain, right? Because they've they've toggled with philosophical villainry between um, Iron Man and um, Captain America with like Civil War, but to be like, unless you want to argue Bucky Barnes, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this would be like a, a a good like just slide into villainry even even if their intent was good for herself and we are compassionate about that she's fucking with some people's lives and it'll be i i'm hoping that they'll just lean into that and be like yeah she's she's bad and now she needs to go on this journey through the multiverse of madness uh, with Doctor Strange to find herself. That's the hope. Sounds good. <laughs> um, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this week for MCU Pod. Remember that you guys can check us out over on Twitter at MCU Pod, on Facebook at the MCU Pod. We're over um, on Instagram as well. You can check all that out. Thanks, you, thank you to James Worm for helping us with our Instagram channel. Jeff, we want to thank you so much for joining us. And once again, uh, where can people find you? www.rageselect.com. Do it. Go to rageselect.com. Um, Mike, where can people find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at Mike Moody Garcia. You can find me at Baron Von Grant. We are out for now, but next week you can tune again, tune in again at 9 p.m. Central when we are going to be discussing episode seven, be sure to check it out and uh, yeah, subscribe here. So you get the notification when we go live until then. Bye.